Hello, and welcome to this episode of the Beartown Road Alliance Church Podcast. It is hard to believe that we are coming into the week of Christmas, but that's where we are, and we are celebrating the fourth episode in our series on Advent, and today we're talking about peace. I'll tell you what, peace sounds good right about now, doesn't it? And Pastor Dave is going to explain how to have some peace during this not-so-quiet Christmas season. We really desire for you to experience Christmas this year the way that God wants you to, and that is to have a season. Season full of peace. And hey, we have a lot going on this week. We have a lot going on through the end of this year and into the beginning of next year. And you can find all of those details on our website, beartownroad.org events. And so without further ado, let's jump into this final Sunday message on Advent titled Peace. Don't you hate it when things get broken? Uh, broken arms? You got to get a cast, broken toys. You put that toy together Christmas morning, and then a kid comes over and just breaks it, and then put it back together. Broken vehicles. Some of you mechanics admire you. You're able to put back broken vehicles, broken technology, broken internet. It just kind of drives us crazy. On a more serious note, broken relationships are painful. Broken marriages, broken friendships, broken relationships between mother-daughter, father-son, um, we hate brokenness, don't we? Have you seen this commercial? Most of you probably have. The iPhone 13 commercial where there's this, this cute little girl who's looking out the window at all of these snowmen who her brother is destroying with his feet, just breaking all the snowmen. And then she's like, no. And she jumps out and she rescues this little snowman and brings the snowman inside, puts him in the freezer. And the, the snowman's in there for months in the freezer. She's checking on to make sure, make sure it's okay. She loves the snowman so much, she even brings it to the picnic with her and puts it in the cooler. She, at one point, the power goes out and she decides to sleep on the kitchen island in hopes that when the power goes back on, her snowman won't be all melted like Frosty the snowman. Then finally, months later, about a year later, in the, uh, in the wintertime, it's finally time for her to bring the snowman back outside. So she brings it outside, and all of her family are looking at her with this snowman. And you can see the mom's so proud of her because she took care of the snowman for so long. And the dad's like, yeah. And the brother's like, man, I almost killed that thing. I'm so glad I didn't break that snowman. And then all of a sudden, you've seen this, there's a hit and run. And the snowman is broken to pieces, and she is like... And every time that commercial comes on, my kids are like, that is the worst commercial I have ever seen in my entire life. It's just devastating, right? Like your favorite team could be winning the football game, and then you're just depressed the rest of the game because of this commercial. Isn't it true that brokenness can be brutal, right? Broken toys, broken relationships, broken snowmen. It's just kind of a brutal thing. And that's the way, or I want to talk to you a little bit about when when God created the, the earth. He looked at the earth, and it was unbroken. It was perfect. The the book of Genesis says that God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. Those of you who are artists, you ever paint a picture, and you walk away, and you're like, oh, that's good. That's good. Uh, Or you're a mechanic, and you put together the car, and you're like, oh, that's good. You're a construction worker, and you get that, you make that house, or you do that renovation, and you're like, 
it's so good. It's so good. God saw that it was good. And then we discover that sin enters the world and everything gets broken and everything gets shattered. Um, it, it was so bad, God looked and he said, now there's going to be enmity between mankind. There's going to be thorns and thistles when you work. There's going to be pain in childbirth, right? And he looked at this broken world, but rather than condemning the world, he came up with a plan to bring it back together, to bring reconciliation, to restore this world with its people that had been broken. The way the apostle Paul describes it in Colossians 1 is, for God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, that God, all of his divinity, was placed in Jesus when, as John describes, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. The word became flesh and tabernacled among us. Now, this verse was, was very powerful in its original context because this is written to the Colossians, many of whom had worshipped pagan gods, and they just believed that God sort of split up his divinity among all the other pagan gods. And Paul says, no, 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 no. All of God was in this one man, Jesus Christ, who decided to come into this broken mess to put it back together. Here's how Paul describes it. Through him, through Jesus, to reconcile, or to take these broken pieces and bring them back together, all things in heaven or on earth, by making peace through his blood shed on so Christ came to bring us peace. He goes on, and through him to reconcile to himself all things by making peace. Now, this, this word reconcile um, is the Greek word that literally means to bring back a former state of harmony. So when the, the world was broken and sin entered and there's thorns and thistles and there's pain and there's broken relationships, Jesus came in to restore, to bring those pieces back together. And then he talks about you and me. And he says, once you, speaking of us, were alienated from God and we were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. And, and all of us here would say there was a season of my life where I had a whole lot of evil behavior going on. And I just, I felt that broken relationship with God. Or others of you would say, yeah, I'm in one of those seasons right now where I feel like I've got a broken relationship with God. And even those of us who were doing okay would say, you know, when I sin, when I fall short, I, I sort of break my relationship with God. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death. He brought us back together with him. And this is perhaps the best part of it. He then presents you holy in his sight, without stain, without blemish, and free from accusation. When you stand before God, you are robed in the righteousness of Christ. When you stand before God, he says to you, you are not guilty. And Christmas, you know, we celebrate that with our kids. We talked about last week, the fact that God has lavished on you the love of God because we are his children, right? And many of you, many of us, we lavish gifts upon our children even though they don't deserve it. I mean, how many of you give coal in your kids' stockings, right? A couple of you do, right? I mean, if, if we really gave them what they deserved, we'd probably be like, okay, I got the naughty and the nice list. You were naughty a lot this year. You were nice 
some of the time this year, and I'm going to give you some call, and I'm going to mix in a few gifts, but we don't do that, right? We get up Christmas morning, and we just lavish them with all these gifts that they don't deserve, and we love them, and we hug them, and it's like nothing, nothing bad happened this past year, right? They're just like guilt-free and blemish-free in our presence on Christmas morning, and that's the way we stand before God, guilt-free, blemish-free, made holy. And so this is really what, what God does if we can look at our... He, he takes this broken relationship that we have with God and he reconciles it and brings it together. Now, for many of us, there's like broken relationships that we have with other people as well. And God wants us to deal with that as well. He, he says, you know, when you were enemies of God, I reconciled you. So now... I want you to reconcile with other people. Here's how Paul describes this in Romans chapter 12. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. This this word conceited literally means do not be wise in your own eyes. Don't think that you're a know-it-all. Don't think that you see the world perfectly. Associate with people who are different than you. We talked about humility for 10 weeks, right? Uh, that humility comes from this word humus, which means from the earth. Humility is going low, right? And if I go low, then really there shouldn't be anybody underneath me. So I should be able to associate and love other people regardless of their background. And then he says this, do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody. And if it is possible... As far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Now, you can't control other people's hearts. You can't manipulate other people to reconcile with you, but you can do your part as far as it's possible. I was talking to a friend last night. We were having dinner with him. He was just talking about how he has this broken relationship with someone that he loves, someone that he's close to, and he's done his part to reconcile, but there's still a little bit of brokenness there. Paul says, if it's possible... Do your part. And you may not change that person, but it will change your heart. He says, do do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. Leave space for God's wrath. Don't get them back, but allow God to do his work in that space between reconciliation. He says, on the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty... Give him something to drink. And if you do this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Which sounds really, really painful, doesn't it? It's like a scene out of Home Alone where he's got like the torch on his head. Now, when I, when I, uh, other, really other than recently, I used to think that this meant kill him with kindness. You know, that person that kind of drives you nuts, that enemy that you have, just kill him with kindness. Just keep doing good things for that person because eventually you're going to store up so many burning coals that they're going to be like, ah, and then they're going to come groveling back to you on their knees and say, please forgive me, right? That's kind of the imaginary conversation you have in your head. That's the way it's going to work out. Um, There's this ancient Egyptian custom. Uh, Thousands of years ago, Egyptians uh, would take this pan and they'd put it on their head and they'd put burning coals on it. And you'd walk throughout the town and you'd be like, oh, he's got burning coals on his head. That means that he must have repented. That must mean he's 
displaying this act of contrition. That's a good thing. So I used to think that that meant kill them with kindness, keep on serving them because eventually you're going to wear them down because they're going to be so overcome with guilt. I don't think that's what Paul meant. I threw a little bit of research. This is what I discovered. I think this is what Paul meant. In the ancient world, you lived in a home, obviously no electricity, no heat. You had to have a fire in your home to heat the home and also to be able to cook your food to heat your water. So here you are in your home, you got the fire going, all of a sudden the fire goes out and you don't have any hot coals. So you would take your brazier and you would pick it up and you'd bring it over to your neighbor and you'd say, can you put a hot coal in my brazier? And they'd say, sure, and they'd put a hot coal in it. And then you would take the brazier and you would put it on your head and you would walk outside of their house throughout the village to your house, and everyone would look at you and they'd say, oh, he's collecting hot coals for his brazier so he can heat his house, and people would just toss a little hot coal on their head. And this is what Paul means. He says, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. You got a broken relationship with someone, you serve them by putting hot coals on their head. You, you take this, this brokenness that has occurred and you seek to, to restore. Now, there, there may still be a little bit of gap in there, you know, because people can be sharp, right? Some people can be sharp. Some people got a little bit of rough edges on them. But Paul says, if at all possible, do what you can do to to put burning coals on their heads, to bring reconciliation. And again, it may never change that person, but it will change your heart. It'll cleanse your soul. Several years ago, there was a guy at the church um, who, who started serving a lot. He's doing a lot in the church, spent a lot of time with them. He was so helpful. After a while, he... He and I had some philosophical differences in terms of how you should do church. And he stepped back from serving, but he continued to attend. And then after a while, he decided to just jump back into serving. And when he jumped in, he jumped in completely. He was here all the time. It felt like he was on staff. He was here so often. And I would talk to him daily for months. We became good friends. He did a lot. I was so grateful for what he had done serving, you know, month after month. And then finally, it got to the point where his philosophical differences, along with the way that I wanted to do things, it, it, it did not work out. And he left, and it, he did not leave peace, peacefully. And it, it bothered me. I wasn't really sure what to do about it. It was kind of bothering me. And I would have run into him in town all the time. I'd see him all the time, mostly at Wegmans, because I don't know if I've told you before, but Wegmans has a lot of really good ice cream. So I'd run into him at Wegmans, you know, and if, if you ever ha- you've had this where you see somebody and you're like, hey, and then you just kind of keep walking. Hey, how it's, how's it going? And it's, every time it's like, ah. Well, several weeks ago, I saw him standing in the parking lot at Wegmans, and I'm like, I'm just going to go for it. I'm just going to go up to him. So he finished up his conversation, and he's standing in the parking lot, and I went up to him, and my heart's pounding. And I put my hand out to shake his hand. And it felt like it was an hour before he shook my hand. It was probably only one second. 
And he shook my hand, and he had this look on his face of peace. And I was, and we started talking. We talked about for about 15 minutes, and I'm telling you, it was awesome. And I was so inspired. I was so excited, and uh, I felt like reconciliation had occurred. It wasn't perfect reconciliation. He's not back at the church. There's still a little bit of a gap there, you know, but it's it's better than it was. There was peace. And it was worth it. Now, here's a little side note. I was going to tell you this story like a month ago, because this happened seven, eight weeks ago. I was going to tell you a story a month ago. So I got his phone number from a friend of mine, and I called him up on a Saturday night um, to ask him if I could share this story to the church. And, you know, I called him up, and I'm like, hey, man, you know, we had so many good times together. You know, thanks for all the, the ways that you serve. And I'm so grateful for this conversation we had in the Wegmans parking lot. And I'm just, praise God for that. And I could tell he was a, a little confused. And I looked at my phone and I'm like, I got the wrong guy. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, sorry. And so then I had to like reconcile with this guy because he's like, what is going on? I'm like, no, 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 I didn't mean it. Like, we're good, man. Like, we were never in that relationship. We're you know? And then I finally got his number and I called him and, and he was like, yeah, you can, you can share that with the church. So all that to say is reconciliation with people is not easy and it's awkward and it's hard and it's oftentimes going to mean you need to take the first step, throw a little uh, hot coals on their head, serve them a little bit. You can't control their response. You can only let God do it, but it'll, it'll cleanse your heart. It'll bring peace to your soul. Okay, next one. I want to talk about this as we move on. I want to talk about inner peace, peace with myself. Because some of you right now, you're like, I got no peace. Came in here today, I got relational brokenness. I got financial brokenness, my, my situation at work, my marriage, my kids. There's just all kinds of brokenness going on, and you've had a difficult time finding peace. Here's what Jesus wants to say to you, and I hope this encourages you. He's got his guys together, right? He says this to the disciples, and I think we can apply this to modern-day disciples as well. He says, he says this to them. Maybe he's in the upper room just finishing things up with them. Maybe he's walking towards Gethsemane. But he says to them, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. I know, guys, you want peace from the Romans, lower taxes, that kind of peace. I've got something different for you. There's a difference between worldly peace and Jesus' peace. Worldly peace is like no fighting, no sibling rivalry. Marriage is just going great. There's nothing bad happening at work. No disease, no COVID, no cancer, no strife, no enmity. Just all your relationships are peaceful. And then I said an appropriate level of stress, because none of us want to be stress-free. If you were stress-free, you'd be bored out of your mind. We all kind of want like an appropriate, just give me enough stress to make life interesting, but not too much stress, right? Jesus came to give us a, a, different, a different kind of peace. When it comes to this whole issue of no fighting, you know, um, we saw on the news this past, past year about Afghanistan. You know, in the year 2021, this past year, 41,681 people died in this war between the Taliban and the anti-Taliban forces. 
And you remember reading about that, seeing it on social media, the news, you know, the airplanes and people jumping off and all that kind of thing. Uh, in, in Mexico, right now, there's a drug war happening. And in this year alone, 7,862 people died just in the, the Mexican drug war. So we see the news and there's all this, ah, all this war, all this enmity. And then we close our phone or we shut off the TV and we're like, okay, that's bad, but I got a whole lot of fight and I got to deal with in my home. Or I gotta figure out how to keep the peace in my workplace. So in, in the midst of all this consternation and pain and disease and division and you know irreconcilable differences, here's the kind of peace that Jesus wants to offer you. It's different than worldly peace. Here's what he says: Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not be afraid. This very statement Jesus said just a few verses earlier. Again, maybe they're in the upper room. Maybe they're making their way up to Gethsemane. This is a repeat of what he had said earlier when he said, do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. Right now, the disciples are doing okay. They had just enjoyed a good Passover meal. They're laughing. Life is good. They have no idea that it's about to go down. They're about to get in Gethsemane. They're, one of their best friends is about to betray them, arrested by the religious leaders, handed over to the Romans. It is about to get not so peaceful. But Jesus just wants them to know, it's about to get bad, but trust in me, I got this. Don't be afraid. Don't be troubled. I got this. You know, after Jesus rose from the dead on that Sunday, resurrection day, the disciples were all gathered together in this house afraid that the Jews were going to get them next. And Jesus ends up appearing in that house. And what's the first thing he said to them? Peace. Peace be with you. So here's Jesus trying to get the disciples to think, look, I, don't be afraid. I got this. Just trust me. Trust me. I will not speak with you much longer for the prince of this world's coming. He's coming. You're going to see Judas... Betray me. You're going to see me get arrested. You're going to see me crucified. And it's going to appear that Satan's got his way. But I want you guys to know he has no hold on me. He's got no power over me. Satan's got no grip on me. So even when it appears that there's enmity and a lack of peace and struggle and consternation, I want you to know that Satan's got nothing on me. And then he walks up towards Gethsemane and he comes upon a, a vineyard, and there's, there's vines and there's grapes, and he says, I'm the vine and you are the branches. Guys, I just want you to remain in me, and I'll remain in you. Just stay with me. Stay with me. Pray. Get your strength from me. Abide in me. Get your nourishment from me. And then the very end of this teaching, this is maybe the last thing that Jesus said to his disciples before he was arrested, or at least one of the last things, certainly one of the last things that John records. He says this, I have told you these things, this long set of teachings. I have told you these things so that in me, you may have peace. I want you guys to have peace. I want you to be reconciled with each other. I want you to have peace with God. I want you to have peace. In this world, you will have trouble, guys. 
It's going to get bad. We know that many of the disciples were martyred for the faith. Uh, the temple was destroyed only a few years later by the Romans. Thousands of Jews were killed. There was famine and flood, and it, it got really, really bad. He's like, guys, it's going to get bad. You will have trouble in the world. And he wants to tell you that. He wants to tell me that. There's going to be trouble because we got a broken world. There's shattered glass all over the place. But take heart because I've overcome the world. Isn't that good? So we got this shattered relationships all over the place. Broken relationships, pain, suffering. But one of the things we need to remember is that there is going to come a day where Jesus is going to make all things new. And all those broken pieces will be brought together in what we call the new heavens and the new earth, where there will be no pain, there will be no suffering, there will be no irreconcilable differences. The way Isaiah described this, 700 years before Christ, which applies to us now and it's also our future hope that when Christ returns, he will bring perfect peace. Here's how Isaiah describes it. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his strong shoulders. He won't be an elected president. He'll be a king of kings and lord of lords who will return to lead the way in perfection. And he will be called wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. And of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. And if you're a Jesus follower, that is a promise that will never be broken. So what do we do in the meantime? Here's what you do. You reconcile to God, you reconcile to others, and you trust him because he's got this. And, and I just got news for you. Frustration is here to stay. And brokenness is here to stay. Tim Keller describes it like this. The fall, the shattering, sin, it means that we should expect to be regularly frustrated in work, even though we may be in exactly the right vocation. See, some of you are at work right now, and there's, there's not a whole lot of peace, or your relationships, kids, marriage, uh, extended family. You feel like... I should just run and get out of here because there's not a whole lot of peace. I should find a new job. And, and what Keller wants to say is you, you might be exactly where God wants you. Just because there's a lack of peace doesn't mean you're in the wrong place. There's a lack of peace because we live in a broken place that has been shattered. And Jesus says there's coming a day where he's going to bring it all back together. And he's going to make it perfect. But in the meantime, you bring peace. Jesus came to piece this broken world back together. That's good news. That's good news. You know, at the end of this commercial that we all hate, you actually do have the, the, this, this, you know, the brother kind of gets down and takes the broken pieces of snow and builds this snowman. And it's not really as nice as the other one, but at least he made the effort. And you see the family gathered with this little girl, and you're just like, ah, oh, 
but it only lasts for like a second. So that by the time the commercial is over, you're just, you got all this irreconcilable stuff going on inside of you. But I think, I think we need to spend a little bit more time thinking about the fact that Jesus is coming back to put all the broken pieces back together. And in the meantime, get reconciled with God and live in that beautiful truth that you are holy, that you are blameless, that you stand before an almighty, pure, and awesome God declared not guilty. Reconcile with others as best as you can. As much as it's possible, you can't change their hearts. But you can change your own heart. That you would reconcile with others, and then at the end of the day, you would say, you know what? I'm going to trust God. I'm going to trust him, because he's got this. The devil has no hold on him. The devil has no power on him. And even though this world's hurting, and there's famine, and there's flood, and there's brokenness, God's got it. So as we just sang about, I'm on his side. I'm on his side. So will you trust him? Will you trust him? Will you trust the Prince of Peace? Let me pray for you, and then we're going to close out this sermon with an ancient Christmas carol about the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Let's pray together. God, would you give us the strength and the ability to pursue peace with others because you've made the first move and pursued peace with us. Way easier said than done to love our enemies, to heap burning coals on other people's heads and to bless them. It's probably the hardest thing you've called us to do. But would you help us to do it as best we can to reconcile our relationships through the power of the Holy Spirit? And God, would you give us the ability to trust you in the midst of a broken world, in the midst of broken relationships and pain and pestilence and flood and famine? Lord, you've told us, do not fear. I got this. Your shoulders are way bigger than we will ever comprehend. So would you help us to trust you? You are the Prince of Peace. You are the the mighty God, the wonderful counselor, the Prince of Peace. We pray this in the matchless, the mighty, powerful name of the God of the universe, who is the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's stand together and sing. Well, there you have it, our final sermon in this Advent series about peace and 
man, I hope that you can wrestle with this and escape so much of the chaos and the busyness that the holiday season can bring, and you can really experience the peace that Jesus offers this Christmas season. And so until we are together again next week, and then as we move into the new year, I simply want to say thank you for joining in on this episode of the Beartown Road Alliance Church Podcast.